You know, uh, I want to thank, first of all, Brother Sammy for the confidence he's placed in me to entrust his congregation to me. Uh, two days or two Sundays in a row now. But uh, most of all, I want to say thank you to you as a congregation because um, we feel at home here. And uh, a lot of times when you fill in, if you, if you understand that, a lot of times you fill in, it's like, you know, you're kind of like a visiting business person or something. You come in, you do your thing, you leave. But here, we feel at home. It's like, it's like our home away from home. And so we thank you for that. And uh, it's my prayer that Brother Sam will be back. And he, I'll tell you what, now, when you don't let a preacher preach for two Sundays, y'all be ready next week. I mean, he's going to be loaded for bear. So, uh, you know, be here and uh, be praying for him. And I think it'll be a phenomenal Sunday. So don't miss it. So we're going to talk about grace. And uh, before we do that, I'd like some audience participation. Now, Baptists have a hard time with that, you know. Preacher does the talking, we do the listening. But I want to I want to I want to give you some common sayings and I want you to finish them for me, all right? For instance, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. That's right. Um, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Excellent. There's no gain without pain. And God helps those who, we're familiar with these, aren't we? I mean, which is, that's what I was trying to demonstrate, that, that uh, everything about our American way of life teaches us that, that you get what you earn, and, and you, except for the government. And you make your bed, and then, and then you lay in it. Uh, we know the value of hard work. It's been called the Protestant work ethic. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why when folks get what they don't deserve and they don't work for it, that we feel anger about that. Uh, you know, it's, it's the kind of way we feel in America, at least we used to, and I'm afraid we're losing this, is that, that if you want to make something of your life, it's up to you. It's no one else's fault if you don't take care of business. If you don't get into education, if you don't get out and, and get tools to get a good job, if you don't work hard, um, you know, that just, that's the, the old American way of thinking. Now, that works great if you're talking about education or if you're talking about a, a, a career, if you're talking about family, all those things you have to work at. You have to put your efforts into it. But I want to tell you this morning, God doesn't work on the American work ethic. That's not the way he does things. Uh, and it makes it hard for us to understand this. Uh, we struggle with how God deals with us sometimes. And, and I, I've, the, my, the text, the key text that uh, we're pivoting off of comes from Psalm 145 and verse 8. That's up on the screen. It says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. God is gracious. That is, God is full of grace. That means God loves to bless those who don't deserve it. 
And, and, and I, I'm convinced you cannot understand the Christian life and what God wants us to do and how He wants us to live till you understand grace. And so we're going to work on that this morning. Uh, you know, it, it, it's the heart of our faith. It's the heart of everything that we as Baptists believe. I'm convinced that if you understand grace, it's going to draw you to God like a magnet. If you understand grace, it's going to, it's going to humble your spirit. If you understand grace, it's going to make you desire to be pleasing before Him because you understand that everything you have is not because of what you've done or who you are, but it's because of God's wondrous love. There's a, there's a lot of definitions of grace. Uh, some have called it God's love in action, which it is. God, the Lord, is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. Some say, well, it's, it's God giving me what I need, not what I deserve. That's true, too. Uh, some say grace is that, that face that God wears when He looks at my failures. There's one that everyone knows. God's riches at Christ's expense. That couldn't be truer. But as a Christian, and I, as a pastor, and I know this, I've seen it, there are so many believers who, who have experienced God's grace, but they're trying to live their lives in a system of legal works. And that's where we're going to go somewhere. We'll talk about some of those things. I, I'd, I'd like to see people set free from that, that mentality of God will not be pleased unless, and then you can make the list. So we're going to do an acrostic, and I think it's going to be on the screen for you in just a moment, uh, with the word grace. Uh, it, makes it, it makes it easy for the speaker so he can remember where he is. But the first one is this. Number one, grace is God's gift to me. God's gift to me. We have that work-oriented mentality. A lot of people, actually there's some denominations, entire denominations that believe that you get to heaven by doing good works. And the, the more good works you do, the, the more pleased God will be. I'm convinced if you were to go down to, to Walmart or uh, down to Piggly Wiggly or wherever and stand there at the door and just do a survey, ask folks when they come out, how do you get to heaven? I'd say a lot of the answers you're going to get is by being good, by doing good, by tithing to your church or whatever. They'll have a list of stuff to do. But you know what God says? And you know this. This is not a new revelation this morning. God says salvation is absolutely free. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. It's absolutely free. Romans chapter 3 verse 24 says, All of us need to be made right with God by His grace, which is a free gift through Jesus Christ. It's a fundamental difference between Christianity and, and any other religion, really. 
uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, I, the list goes on and on and on. Their religion is summed up in one word, do. Each system has a, a, a different set of things to do. They have rules to keep. They have regulations to follow. They have rituals to fulfill. It's all about what you do with Christianity. It's one word. Done. It's all been done. When Jesus hung on that cross, what was the last thing he said? It is finished. It's not almost finished. It's not maybe it'll be finished. He said it is finished. There isn't anything you can do to be saved except receive the gift that God wants to give you through grace. No one's going to be in heaven based on what they did. It's a gift from God. So I have a G. R for grace, and it is received by faith. Received by faith. God's free gift of salvation is received by faith, or trust, or reliance, or dependence. Now, let me, let me pause right. Well, let, me, well, let me read a verse. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. You know this one. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Not by works. It's received by faith. And I want to caution you, and, and this has become kind of a, I, I think a, a theological trend that's not theological. You've probably heard people say, you need to invite Jesus into your life. Well, this pastor does not like that expression. I'll tell you why. Because it makes the issue, my invitation, asking Jesus into my, my invitation and my life. It's, salvation is not about my invitation and my life. He says, no one comes to the Father but by me. It's his invitation. If you are weary, come, he says, to me. That's faith. It's not a matter of, Asking Jesus into my life, it's a matter of me trusting what Jesus did on the cross in my place. It's received by faith. It's not based on my performance. It's not based on my goodness. It's not based on my merit. That way, God gets all the glory. He gets all the praise all throughout eternity. There's no one going to be in heaven because of something they did. They're going to be there because of Jesus. Received by faith. You can go back, I, and, and I love you, well, you know me well enough to know I've been here enough times. I, I love to preach in the Old Testament. And uh, it's because, the reason I like it is because it sneaks up on Baptists. They, you know, New Testament, they see it coming, they get the wall up before you get your point made. Old Testament, you can sneak up on them. And it's got them before they can get away from it. But all through the Old Testament, there are illustrations of God's grace. I don't have time to take a look at all of them this morning, but I want you to think about one, one you're, I'm sure, familiar with. Remember when, uh, when Saul and Jonathan were killed and David took over as king, and if you 
know anything about history, generally when the new king comes to the throne, he gets rid of any people from the old regime that might be a threat to him. And most of Saul's folks were, were killed off, not necessarily by David. And David one day asked a question. He said, you know, is there anybody left of the family of Saul? And somebody said, well, yeah, there's one guy. Uh, he survived because he's a cripple. His name's Mephibosheth. Say that 15 times quick. Mephibosheth. And David said this. I love this. Is there someone that I can still show grace to? And they told him Mephibosheth. Folks, that's us. That's us. We're that broken, disabled, crippled by sin person who has been invited to come and sit at the king's table and be a part of his family. That's grace. And it's received by faith. You don't earn it. We don't deserve it. And all we can do is to reach out and accept it. So God's gift to me, received by faith, available to everyone. Available to everyone. You ever talk to someone about salvation and they try to tell you, well, you don't know what I've done. You know what they're saying? They're saying, I've, I've done something so bad that God can't forgive it. All of us look back in our past and we find things that you would think would be totally unforgivable. Even Paul felt that way, remember? He said, I, I'm, the, I'm the greatest of sinners. I've killed Christians. I'm the greatest sinner. And yet God saved him by his grace. There is no sin too sinful for God to forgive. He didn't put limits on his grace. He didn't say, okay, I'll forgive all these sins, but if you go this far, I'll not forgive you. God didn't do that. He says, come, weak and weary as you are, and receive my grace. It's available to everyone and to anyone. John chapter 3 and verse 15, so that everyone who believes, everyone, who believes. Folks, that's a big word. Everyone who believes can have eternal life in Him. Romans 10, 13. Everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you are here today and you have never been saved, I want to be the one who tells you, you have no excuse. Salvation is available. It's already paid for. Christ did it for you. He loves you and He wants you in His family. And you can simply today receive that amazing grace. And fourthly, it comes through Christ. See, there's, there's still only, only one way to God. It's not through Buddha. It's not through Muhammad. It's not through Joseph Smith. It's through Jesus Christ. John 1.17 says the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In John 14.6, Jesus says, 
clearly, no man comes to the Father but through me. Folks, it couldn't be any clearer. There is only one way of salvation. Why? Because he's the one who, who left heaven. He's the one who was born of a virgin. He's the one who grew up living a sinless life, even though he was tempted powerfully by the evil one. And yet he lived a perfect, spotless life as a spotless lamb of God. And he went to a cross and he died and he hung there and he suffered because of you and me and because of our sin. And by his wonderful grace, he'll bring us into his family. Only one way. I'll tell you this, um, grace may be free. It wasn't cheap. It cost God His only Son. You might wonder, what in the world must that have been like that God the Father and God the Son were looking at the, what they were going to do on behalf of fallen mankind and the plan was that the son would come and die as a man? That is unthinkable for us. And yet God did it. It comes through Christ. Romans 5.15 says, Many people receive God's gift of life by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ. The gift of grace in one man. And when you trust Him, when you rely upon Him, when you, exceed, when you trust Him and receive what He did on the cross as your, um, your own personal forgiveness, the Bible says you're considered to be in Christ. I haven't checked it all, but I understand that that, that expression, in Christ, is used in the New Testament 120 times. That's what you have because of what Jesus did. It comes through Christ. And then, lastly, it has eternal benefits. The results of grace are going to last forever, folks. It doesn't just start here. And eternal life doesn't start when you get to heaven it started the moment you trusted Christ, and it lasts through this lifetime and into all of eternity. A lot of people don't, get think, don't think a whole lot about what it means to be with Christ in heaven. They're going like, okay, so we're going to sit around and have a church service for the next eternity? It's going to be really boring. I'll have to make a note and do a sermon for y'all called What's heaven really like? I think it's going to be a busy place. There's going to be responsibilities. You read what Jesus says. If you've been faithful in, a, in many things, I will give you a lot of responsibility. If you've been faithful in just a few things, I'm going to give you responsibility for a few things. If you've been unfaithful, then you're kind of going to be looking sweeping as a janitor in heaven. I don't know. Maybe something like that. Now, I'm teasing with you. But there's four things I know that's going to make heaven wonderful. It's going to be a place of reunion. I've been a pastor now for over 50 years. I've seen some great men and women of God that slipped out of this life into eternal life. And I believe with all my heart, God, the, the Bible says we're going to see those folks, we're going to know them. 
We're going to be able to reestablish a relationship with them. It's going to be a place of reunion. It's going to be a place of reward. God's going to give us responsibilities. It's going to be a place of reassignment. And most of all, it's going to be a place of relief. Every tear is going to be wiped away. Every sickness will be in the past. No more COVID. No COVID in heaven, folks. It's going to be a place of being released from the cares of this world. You may know the name Peter Drucker. Peter Drucker was a, uh, he was a, a guy that would, was, wrote books about business and management. I mean, the uh, Wall Street Journal published everything the man wrote. Many of his, text, his books are now textbooks in some of the universities. And when he was asked, how did you become a Christian? He said, when somebody first explained grace to me, I knew I was never going to get a better deal. I like that. It's the very best thing you can ever receive in this lifetime. Is the grace of God in Jesus Christ through your faith in him. God's amazing grace is available to you right now, right now, this morning. If you'll simply ask him to forgive you, be your savior. He longs to make you a part of his forever family. Isaiah 30 verse 18 says this, The Lord longs to be gracious to you. If you've not experienced his grace, it's no one's fault but your own. This morning, I hope, maybe during the invitation, you'll say yes. Yes, God, I, tr I want to trust in Christ. I want to receive that amazing grace that forgives my sin and makes me a child of God. Let me pray together. Father, we know this morning that everything we have in Christ is not because of something we've done, not because you've singled us out, because we deserve special favor because of our attitude, our actions, our works, or anything like that. But the amazing grace of God is ours because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I pray for that one who may have been to this place today and realize that they don't know Christ. They never trusted him. They're relying on something else for eternity. I pray that their heart will be turned to you. I pray you'll bless this congregation, Brother Sammy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.